From Thematic Elements Podcast, this is Mia Jolly. So welcome back to Thematic Elements Podcast. In honor of the inauguration, last week I talked about the intersectionalities between A Promised Land by Barack Obama and Becoming by Michelle Obama. And both were incredibly fascinating memoirs, I might add, and I definitely recommend that you read both of them. So this month, I'm going to be covering The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, and lastly, The Script of Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. Or is it a play? Anyways, um, so thanks so much for listening. It really means a lot because when I started this, I didn't really think anybody would pay attention or care, but it's great to know that other people also, you know, care about the creative energy I'm putting out into the universe. So if you want to support, please consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to and also buying my merch at tpodcast.com. But no pressure. Let's get into it. Let's just clarify something because I don't want you guys to be disappointed, but I'm not going to be imitating any of these characters' voices because I'm really bad at southern accents and I also don't really want to offend anybody. Um, So let's start by talking about how the novel is written. So this novel was published in 1884 which let's also note was during the reconstruction and you know it's really important to notice that the book takes place in the antebellum south in St. Petersburg, Missouri and this is you know the home or you know whatever is defined as the home of the main character, whose name is Huck. So the audience meets Huck in a really interesting way, and it's also set in first-person perspective. Um, It's also really cool to think about how Huck is the one who's writing the novel, so that kind of makes a different reading experience for those who are interested. You know, now I'm going to give a quick refresher. I don't really want to give a plot summary because most of you guys have already read the book, so... This is just gonna, you know, jog your memory on the characters and kind of like their main purpose in the novel. So right off the bat, Huck mentions Tom Sawyer. It's like the first few lines and Huck is Tom's best friend. And, you know, maybe we should just say uh, Tom is Huck's best friend, you know, no guarantees. And, and their relationship as character flaws is really interesting actually. Huck and Tom are literally nothing alike at all, and, you know, we'll talk about that later, but Huck's upbringing is just really lonely. He mentions himself that, you know, I felt so lonesome I most wished I was dead, and, you know, you might think that's heavy, but, you know, if if you read the book, uh, that really isn't. And since, you know, having no mother and a drunk embarrassment of a father, whose name is Pap, um, a woman named the Widow Douglas becomes the mother figure in his life, and let's just say that she might not be the best one. Uh, Let's make it also clear that Huck does not like her at all, and he clears the air of this confusion in the first few pages by saying, The widow Douglas, she took me for her son and allowed she would civilize me, but it was rough living in the house all the time, considering how dismal, regular, and decent the widow was in all her ways. And so when I couldn't stand it no longer, I lit out. So... You know, let's notice how Huck spells the word civilize. He spells it S-I-V-I-L-I-Z-E. And the widow's sister, Miss Watson, is also a very unpleasant lady. But let's not get into how Huck describes her because, you know, 
it's not the kindest of words. You know, Huck has a conversation with Miss Watson about religion, and it really points to how Huck's understanding about Christianity kind of misses the entire point. His immediate superstition about the good place is notable notable for him being a realist. And, you know, at last, I'm also going to introduce Jim because um, for those of you who read the book, you know that, you know, Jim's with Huck for most of the novel anyways, and he really becomes an integral part of this book. And he does become, like, Huck's main focus for a lot of the book. Um, So Jim is an enslaved man who's owned by Miss Watson, and he was separated from his wife and children, which is what motivates him to run away with Huck. Um, You know, Jim is a character full to pop, and he eventually becomes a father figure to Huck throughout the novel. So let's talk about the relationship between Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn, but honestly, I kind of just want to get out of the way that I have some personal biases. I do not like Tom, but I'm going to try and keep this out of here. And not to mention the fact that Tom is like really boring and also pathetic. (laughs) But so Tom lives his life through rose colored glasses. And I might beg to differ that like kind of all white people did. But, you know, you know, he's self-serving and and Twain makes this so incredibly obvious. He he makes it so obvious his romanticization of literally everything, of especially pirate books. But he never questions life outside of his bubble. And when Tom is faced with a conflict, the way that he like tries to solve the problem is kind of always just based on what happens in the in the books. And it's often extravagantly unnecessary and also really annoying. But you know, we can see this when we find out Tom knew Jim had been free the entire time he hugged. He helped Huck steal him, and Tom withheld this information literally just because he is immature and adventurous and, you know, some other words I'm not going to include in here because, you know, PG rating, (laughs) but Tom says, I don't know, but that's what they do. I've seen it in the books, and so, of course, that's what we've got to do, and he also says, don't I tell you what's in the books? Do you want to go to doing different from what's in the books and get things all muddled up? And he says both of these things at the beginning of the novel to Huck. And and the second quote I just mentioned, you know, I feel like it really shows that Tom is so adverse to saying, like, anything out of society's beliefs and, and re- anything out of his own beliefs, which is, you know, reflected upon society's beliefs. Um, and, and Tom's constant references to books unveils this romanticization of novels and of a life that isn't his. I feel that Twain decided to make Tom a romanticist to contrast Huck, who questions society and bases his beliefs off his personal experiences. And, you know, maybe it could possibly be to challenge Huck's character development through the novel, too. That might be why Twain decided to have Tom return near the end of the novel, which is, you know, an incredibly uh, controversial decision in the writing community, might I add. But I'm not gonna... We're not gonna dive deep into that because this podcast ended up being an hour long. Um, so, you know, that's why Twain decided to have Tom return near the end of the novel, and it's almost like Huck is coming full circle. We can see this because the last line is similar to a line from the first few pages of the novel. He says, quote, Aunt Sally, she's going to adopt me and civilize me, and I can't stand it. I've been there before, end quote. And that's where he still spells civilized, like at the beginning with an S. It's interesting to find for how so much of the novel, Huck just doesn't challenge Tom. He kind of just lets Tom do whatever the heck he wants. And I feel that this is really because Huck feels inferior to Tom. 
Tom is in a different socioeconomic class than him with a completely different upbringing. And, you know, you see this for the entire novel, but finally, when it really does matter at the end of the novel, Huck and Jim finally stand up to Tom. When Tom is shot in the leg, he does not want to go to the doctor. And I feel that it's because he's attempting to fulfill some fantasy from the books he reads. Huck does not let that happen and dra drags Tom to the doctor. And, okay, I hopefully that this is connecting the dots, what I'm about to say, but it might sound a little bit left field. It's almost comparable to those who refuse to wear masks during a global pandemic or claim a presidential election was fraudulent without any sufficient evidence. And his fantasies about the world are similar to the fantasies of the American dream and the false guarantee that hard work results in success. This podcast was sponsored by Grammarly. Writing is not that easy, but Grammarly is here to help. Grammarly is a free browser extension, and it's also an application that allows you to be sure your words are the easiest to digest by those who read. But it goes farther than just grammatical structures. It's super easy to use, and it helps you find the best words to choose. If you subscribe to the premium version, you can even get more, including a plagiarism checker. With the code THEME10, you can get 10% off a yearly subscription. That's T-H-E-M-E 10 for her discount. So, one of the large themes in this book is hypocrisy in society, where, where Twain uses satire to shed light on many issues of society before the Civil War. And you guys sent in some quotes for me to read about, and let's start. Um, in the first part of the novel, Huck is talking about Miss Watson, and then narrates, by and by they fetched the inwards in and had prayers. So, give me just like a second. Um, it's... Hmm. Okay. So this is an interesting one, and what I'm pulling from this is how many people in the Christian South worship the Lord and are faithful, yet many people, including Huck, felt comfortable saying the N-word. And especially looking back, as I'm here in today's world, I don't really feel that the N-word and the word prayer should ever be in the same sentence. It just, it just feels wrong, but that, that's also, you know, my personal biases. Not to mention the fact that it's completely hypocritical to preach about loving others while using a horribly offensive and derogatory slur that's also dehumanizing. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. In the New International Version of the Bible. And how can anybody even say that without contradicting themselves? This is com still completely applicable in today's society. And, and I'm really talking about racism, but it can be transferred to so many other things. But, you know... We don't have time for that, and I also don't want to cause any drama. So let's look at another quote in which Twain criticizes Christianity in the antebellum South. Thank you, Oliver, for your support and kind message with the following quote. It was pretty ornery preaching, all about brotherly love and such like tiresomeness, but everybody said it was a good sermon. So Huck encounters the Grangerfords and Shepherdson who are dealing, who are dueling when he meets them, and their relationship can kind of compare to the relationship between the Montagues and Capulets from Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. And I really think this quote is significant. I'm glad that Oliver brought this into our agenda today. It's, it's really important, and I feel that Twain really included this to serve such a big purpose, and not necessarily just the quote, but the idea in general. 
I think it's important to notice how Huck is pointing out since the Grangerfoots and Separatists attended the same church, they pretended to act Christ-like or something. Really, it's just ironic how they talk about brotherly love while literally killing each other. Huck sees through this and makes it clear to his readers that he disagrees and he sees through their facade. And this is another great example of how Mark Twain criticized Christianity and it's attributed by Huck's character being a realist. If Huck saw life through the eyes of Tom, he probably wouldn't even notice anything that seemed hypocritical about this church service or about what the two families were saying. And I just really think that Twain really emphasized this. And when I say this, I'm really just talking about the hypocrisy in society and especially Christianity because it makes a lot of people in today's world just question life 200 years ago and I just feel that that's really interesting. So the last quote we're going to be looking at is also in the narrating of Huck and he says or he narrates you know uh, she said it was wicked to say what I said said she wouldn't say it for the whole world she was going to live so as to go to the good place and He's, he's talking about this in regards to Miss Watson. So this quote was sent in by Rowan. Thank you so much for your support. And I really hope that, you know, you buy my merch because um, I have some pretty cool designs. But that might just, you know, be my opinion as well. Um, so I think that what we're getting here, like getting at here is, you know, kind of similar to the first quote we talked about. I find it difficult, you know, using common sense to believe that one would go to heaven even while treating others inhumanely. Jim is a prime example, and black people in general are an example. And, you know, of course this answer is to be expected, but because of societal beliefs and the racist laws ingrained in society that would have been, that, like, saying that would have been completely revolutionary and uh, very hated to believe before the Civil War. And I also want to note how, you know, Miss Watson was reacting to how Huck said he wanted to go to the bad place. Of course, Huck says this because the bad place doesn't mean anything to him. But regardless, I find it extremely ironic that Miss Watson and many other people in the South were perceived to be good Christian women. It kind of starts to sound like a lie. Um, but I mean that in a very respectful way. And they they do totally fit that mold in the times they were living in. But... It makes me wonder which people will continue to live in society believing they have uncompromising morals, but 200 years from now, people will be able to look at them and in a similar manner that we're looking at the white characters in this book right now. And honestly, I'm, think, I'm starting to think, like, who can I spot in my life uh, and look at in this way? That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast, and I hope you guys all enjoyed today's discussion. Please don't count how many times I said the words you know, because you'll probably be very disappointed. Um, probably more times than Huck Ever Felt Loved, which isn't many, but you know what I'm trying to say. I said it so many times, but it's okay. Next week is going to be better, I promise, guys. But make sure to tune in next Monday to talk about The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. Uh, have a great day, guys. Bye.